0: Please enter your access code followed by the pound or hash sign.
1: I am Alex Kaufman and you have dialed in to Pod PodSam, an off-season project of me, the Wintry Mix podcast guy, and Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. This is the third installment of our six-episode batch derived from the highlights of Sam's Summit series which brought together industry leaders, aka the mentors, with a question asking audience of 10 middle management up-and-comer types from resorts across the US. Topics include management skills, problem-solving techniques, finance, capital planning, and risk. Because this was derived from actual conference calls, there's a bit of typical phone interference and such, but it's totally worth it. Episode three mentors you are about to hear from are Barb Green, president of Blue Mountain, Pennsylvania, and Bill Jensen, CEO and partner at Telluride. Green has a deep background in finance in and out of the ski industry and has served as president of Blue Mountain PA since 2007, catering to the NYC and Philadelphia drive markets. Jensen of Telluride, who you can also hear from episode one of PodSam, got his start as a lift operator at Mammoth Mountain in nineteen seventy four, before management runs at Piston Bully, Sunday River, and North Star, prior to long tenures in leadership at Vale Resorts and IntroWest. He's also a past chair of NSAA and a SAMI winner. Throughout these episodes you will also occasionally hear from Paul Tallner, founder of High Peaks Group, an organizational change consultancy. Paul serves as moderator on the series of calls, so let's get started. Paul?
2: How about if we start with you, Barb? Uh, I'd love to sh- uh, ask you if you could to share a story uh, with the group here about um, a moment in your career when you kind of when it became really real, like when finance and financial literacy was really sort of becoming a core part of your your role, and it became super important in uh, in your
0: trajectory.
3: I think um, w- when this became real, I, I was recently back in. In the job market after having had three kids and being away and I was with a new company and it was my third year and it was a, a dot-com company um, and it had uh, it had sword and it was crashing um, and uh, a couple of us um, got together out of the Philadelphia division of this of this company and um, got together with a vision of what we could do and how we could kind of resurrect this company, um, and, and my task was to go ahead and put the budget together. You had to know enough about the numbers to go ahead and say whether this was real or not, because the, you, when you go in front of a capital markets to go ahead and present your, your budget, it's got to be totally uh, you know tied up and nice and neat, and uh, you, you've got to have the answers to all the questions. And, you know, I never realized that all the, you know, the accounting and the debits and credits and everything else would lead me to the point where we did get capital from that company. You know, to, to go ahead and uh, get capital in to keep it alive for another eight or nine months was life changing for me because, you know, you're talking about if we don't do this and we don't succeed, everybody's going to lose their jobs and um, none of us want to do that and we all have to work together and, all the different facets of finance into that, and operations into that, and sales, and how are we going to go ahead and get contracts for that IT company in order to keep it going? It was so um, educational and so outside of my normal uh, my my normal financial box. I think that that was probably the, the the time where I knew I could do a lot more than what I was doing in the past.
0: You know,
2: what are some of the key? Um you know, lessons that have stayed with you since then, and, and how have you applied that?
3: I, I think, you know, some of the key lessons was, you know, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just me uh, putting this budget together. It was me going to people and asking, you know, do you think this is right? You know, getting the buy-in uh, along the way as I'm putting this whole big financial model together of the five different uh, divisions that we had, the five different offices we had, And I I think that's key in whatever you're 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 doing in the financial area um, is to get you know get marketing buy-in you got to get financial buy-in you got to get operations buy-in yeah you got to get the general management buy-in if you have that kind of layer over top of it because if you don't have all four behind you you're not going to go ahead and succeed
2: in in the creation of a budget you're kind of setting out a spending plan for all these key people who are going to be held accountable to, uh, staying within those parameters, I would guess. Right. So their buy-in is pretty critical.
3: They have to feel like they've shaped their part of it. Otherwise you're going to have trouble, um, uh, getting them to, 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 to follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was the lesson that, 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 I learned in that process. You know, I was the grunt one doing all the, the, the back, but, but it was, Tons of conversation and over-communication in order to get
2: it done. <laughs> so. Bill, how about you? Do you have a story you can share with the mentees about uh, a moment when financial literacy and finance really became kind of
0: core to your role? You know, when I started in the ski industry in the 70s, I actually worked for companies that didn't even do budgets because we were growing at 20 or 30% a year every year. Um, it just didn't matter, <laughs> you know? Uh, the the cash the cash was coming in so fast you couldn't cash uh, couldn't count it and it was just whatever it took but as the industry that's,
3: matured, that, that's the way it was with IT <laughs> in, not the, not in the in the dot com it was exactly the exact yeah, same yeah. Thing.
0: the same thing you're <laughs> right so you know but I, what I learned was um and I think it's important for everybody that sooner or later in your career you you also have to learn the revenue side of the business and that experience I had in the '70s, where revenue was always growing, um, was exciting. My own my own career success really is has been driven um, by putting myself in situations where, um, you know, as a leader, or as in our organization, we could drive revenue. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, for me, you know, I can kind of walk through my career steps. Um, you know, I, I went to work for Piston Bully. And when I went to work for them, it was very early in their launch into the North American market. And I honestly could say we were about a $2 million revenue company the day I went to work for them. And seven or eight years later, when I left them, we were a $30 million revenue company. And I went to Sunday River, and we were 250,000 skier visits. And three seasons later, we were 500,000 So again, you know, experience that revenue, that really, that literally that revenue growth of 20 or 30% a year. I went to North Star, um, same scenario, 250 to 500,000 skier visits in three years. Um, What I learned from those experiences and then they followed through even at Bell Resorts um, is revenue um, is really the key to success. You know, someone told me a long time ago, you can save your way to solvency, (laughs) <laughs> but um, you know but if you if you're looking for prosperity it's it's all about the revenue line in your business. So I would encourage the, those of you on the phone <clears throat> you know we all we all enter the business, you know creating budgets to manage the expense side of the business, and it's a really critical skill set that you have to have to be successful for the long term. but somewhere you have to get be exposed to the revenue side of the business and um, you want to play a part in driving revenue um, in, in your business.
3: I agree with Bill wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, the key, key to success is to really look at the revenue side and how you grow it. And then after you've grown it a year or two, how do you make it the most profitable it can be? That's sort of um, the way I look at it. Uh, we keep on trying to add new revenue streams every single year. Part of the reason I want to do that is so I have full-time people, so the quality goes up with guests. But it, but it also it, eventually, if if we keep on doing that, um, you know, you'll end up being more profitable. To cover all your basic infrastructure at the resort, you have so much sunk cost and so much fixed fixed cost there. That the more revenue streams you can bring in to cover that cost, the better off you're going to be. Even in bad weather years, you know you're going to or consistent revenue even in bad weather years, because a full-time staff will give you that culture that you want to create, like the the Hyatt and the Disney and everything else. Very difficult to have culture when you only have people there in my in my case three months out of the year. It's it's a, it's a challenge to all our
0: managers.
2: Uh, Bill, do you want to you want to fill in with some uh, examples of your
0: own? You know, I, I think the price of skiing has grown to the point that, you know, all we can look to that bottom line for lift ticket, you know, season pass revenue is is kind of the you know, more of a CPI kind of approach unless you're making some pretty significant capital investments in the business. And I'm not talking about raising the price of a hamburger or french fries 50 cents or a dollar either to to raise revenue. It's really looking at the business and I would look at all your existing businesses and saying, you know, are we doing everything possible um, to maximize revenue from that? And, you know, I'm a bit where Barb is. It's about the experience and making sure uh, that, uh, the experience is good, and you know, and I can I can point to this year. You know, in the West, uh, we've had a, a pretty prolonged period of low snowfall, natural snowfall drought, and uh, you know, I think even today, only forty percent of our trail network is open. ride though, you know, maybe by Wednesday it'll be sixty or seventy. But it's interesting. Is yeah. I have five, five restaurants five restaurants that have generated more revenue this year than they did last year on 50,000 less skier visits. So what's the story? what's the story there? You know? I mean, you know, like, they can't ski, they have to eat, I suppose. But,
3: but, yeah, well, well, they just want
0: know, to have you know, a they, good time. That's what it is. <laughs> Barb's got it. It's, it's about the experience. And you know what? They are skiing. They, you know, they're buying a lift ticket. But after five or six runs, they're willing to spend a little longer you know at a lunch and having that experience so you know that's an example but i bought a i bought a uh, we created a new business and you know we bought an existing business but it's a you know just a private <clears throat> private locker club that people pay $2000 a year to have a locker and their ski storage but you know we upped it up we put concierges in there we um, put a nice, you know, the morning you get coffee, the evening and when you come in you get a glass of wine, a beer. There's no charge for that. It's just part of the membership. And we have 100 lockers. So if you said the business model is 100 lockers, $2,000, okay, it's $200,000 of revenue. So this is our first year. We wanted to really set uh, the bar high for an experience, and we've rented about half the lockers, 100000 Well, you know, I'm a businessman. Okay, I've got... Uh, I've got four people that work in there seasonally, so they're going to work in there for four four months or five months. You know, you can kind of do the labor, but, you know, the $100,000 covers the labor. It covers the electricity. Um, I'm not quite sure whether it's going to cover the property taxes, but I don't really care. <clears throat> but the manager that was running that business came to me and he was like, well, you know, should we let day users in or something like that? And I go, no, we've established a model that this is a seasonal long rental. And I said, you know, I'll bet you at dinner—not next year, but the year after—it'll be sold out. And that's a little bit the Barb's point: is it's work in progress, but um, you know, people. Well, you have to set have the tone.
3: I think. Yeah. You you yeah. you set the tone in what you want it to be. You know, you you set you wanted to be a high end locker.
0: Yeah. and, and so it, you're willing, it, you're patient. You know, which is what Barb's. Yeah, in right. In two or three yep. years, it'll. I'm I'm a hundred percent confident. And it'll work. And, and, you know, it will drive revenue. But what we keep coming back to here, the, my mantra is it's all about the experience. And my view is when the experience is top notch, people uh, are not afraid to spend more money uh, within your existing business structure. And as Barb said, you just have to figure out where they want to spend money and then create the opportunity for them to do that
3: one other thing to add to bills that and and I I found this I I'm only one person and uh you know I, I you know we're looking into skeet shooting uh I'm not a fan of guns but if I find somebody who really wants to run that operation and comes knocking on my door and has passion for it it's probably going to be a success because they really want it to succeed so um and I think it takes. I think it takes that too. It takes that manager underneath, the person underneath, uh, the umbrella of the company. You know, the more you own, or the more you're interested, and the more you have visions for the future for for your particular area, the more you'll succeed. You gotta look to the future.
1: The Pod Sam conversation continues after this quick thank you to Pod Sam and Summit Series partner Mountain Guard. Mountain Guard has been serving the ski industry since 1962, providing resort special coverages, education, claims handling, and risk management expertise. Learn more at MountainGuard.com.
2: What I'm hearing is that uh, in order to get to a point where you can leverage your financial acumen, uh, there's, there's a process by which you, you need to be creative. And think of new ways to kind of open open the taps and, and bring in new new revenue. Whether it's you know wedding business, ski shooting, lockers, those kinds of creative uh, creative solutions are are the things that enable you to build that financial skill uh, and and give you the opportunity to you know manage maybe a P and L so that you can you know, distinguish yourself in a in a in an organization, which I think is absolutely fascinating. So I guess on that note. My my question is around sort of how how do you keep the creative ideas flowing, like as a as a leader in a in a business, where do they come from, and how do you keep them coming to, to you, or how do you generate them for yourself?
3: I, I I do it by listening to all the guests and all the employees, that's um I'm I'm constantly trying to gather information from both sources, you know, some through the business basic guest research, but, you know, some just through walking around and having conversations with people. You know, I also look at the market. Uh, I'm very, very, very heavily involved in uh, the local, uh, when I say local, probably a three-hour radius from the resort um, organizations, and it gives you, uh, um, when I say organizations, chamber organizations, uh, vacation bureau organizations. Uh, you know, getting involved a little bit with the state government, and it gives you um, a, a perspective of what what's coming in the future, um, or or a different perspective of why people don't don't want to come to your resort. So, and then you say, well, how do I stop that? So it it it, it gets back to uh, you know, number one, it doesn't matter whether you're finance operations or marketing. It gets back to communications and listening to people and finding out what they want.
0: You know, what I found throughout my career is, you know, as organizations get built, um, the you know, the core skill set is really around expense management. And, you know, as I said earlier in the conversation, it's really a critical skill that we all have to develop as we're moving up the career ladder. But but ultimately what I find, um, there's not going to be 50 people in your organization that have great ideas about businesses. Um, you know, if, if you, you'd be fortunate if you had three or four. The people on the phone that are trying to plan their careers—that—that um, that is the point of differentiation. As you—you know—as you move up in your career, is you know where I say you have to develop the skills that are going to help drive revenue. And you know, if you're if you're perceived as a, a you know a competent or even an exceptional manager on the expense side, good. You, you check that box and you checked it with a, you know, a big black check mark. Great. But, you know, the future of your career is about growing the business, having the business thrive. And, um, you know, I was talking to a guy that has a private ski club this weekend that was out skiing in Telluride. And, you know, I used the line, save your way to solvency. And he goes, that saves your way all the way out of business. Um, right. You know, so I, I'm a really big believer in, that revenue is is the key, you know, both to business success, but it's also key to your own skill sets, you know, for those of you listening on the phone, is how how can you contribute to your organization, not just as a, a great manager, but as someone who is creative and uh, comes up with ideas, new ideas to drive revenue, you know, and maybe the first idea is only going to drive you know, 5000 or $10,000 a season in revenue, that's okay. But ultimately, um, you want to come up with bigger ideas that will drive, you know, 100000 or even two or $300,000 of revenue. Maybe
2: if each of you could talk a little bit about the tough decisions you've had to make along the way when it comes to either, you know, favorite programs, marquee programs, or other, other kinds of business uh, lines that needed to be adjusted because of of profitability and how how do you think about that
3: you know we're we're a day trip uh, ski resort you know we we don't have the long stays we we basically had a model before i got here um under my father where we went from 1200 people down to about 20 in april and it's, it, it is hard every year. And, uh, you know, we're now up to, uh, 85, 90, somewhere in there in terms of full-time people. But it is so hard to go ahead and, and lay all the people off for me. I just, I, it, I, I really do not enjoy that part of, of, of this business. And it's the one that I, you know, I keep on fighting to go ahead and, and find some of that eight-month-out-of-the-year or six-month-out-of-the-year opportunities for people. And for, for people that have grown up in the industry, most industries aren't like that.
0: You know, I, I would probably add, I think, you know, running a running a ski company or running a ski business, you know, the, the challenge, I think the bigger challenge when I really look at the picture and stand back is how much of your revenue do you want to spend on the operational side of the business, and then how much money – you need for the capital side of the business yeah Um, you know so you know the year the year that you want to buy a new chairlift or do a big snowmaking expansion or buy an extra snowcat or two um, you know as as someone that's leading a business um, you know basically the checkbook still has to work for a lot of ski areas maybe you know some sort of financing or loan or a chairlift, you know, or a big expansion or a new restaurant becomes part of the scenario, but then what happens is you have that debt payment or you have that mortgage payment. How does that fit into the bank? You know, how does it fit into your budgets when you're looking at your expense structure and the operational side? And, you know, in the years that we're not doing significant capital, um, I tend to look at my operational expenses and allow some leeway there, so that we can um, emphasize the, the day-to-day experience we're offering. But um, making a million-dollar expenditure for us, at, you know, at a resort like Telluride, with our our cash flows and our revenues, you know, is not a big decision. But a ten-million-dollar is really big. And how do we? Do that, and you know, can we save money for two or three years to help fund that, or do we go borrow money and then then cut expenses for the next three or four or five years to make it work? Um, you know, those are those are the big leadership um, kind of leadership management decisions that all of you that are listening today are going to get to at some point in your career. And to me, those are the biggest challenges. Um, you know, when when we're not doing capital. The capital things, it's like, what I call them, we all can have our little pet projects.
1: The PodSAM conversation continues after this quick thank you to supporting partner Access. Today's skier and rider is tech savvy. They've got easy Pass. hell, their dog has an RFID chip in them. Make sure you are delivering the frictionless and cashless convenience your customers expect Along with mobile-friendly skier tracking via Access RFID ticketing and access control. More info at teamaccess.com. That's team dot
2: It's a really great conversation, and actually, so great that uh, Brandon Swartz came, uh, came in with a question from uh, from the group. Um, so I'll read it to you and, and have you all respond. So. Uh, he he says, is education a good way to gain revenue acumen? Do you recommend an MBA program or some form of master's program for someone that's interested in being a GM at an earlier age? So, and he said, went on to say, it's easy for me to see revenue in other departments, but not easy
0: for me to find a way to manage revenue. You don't manage revenue, you drive revenue. <laughs> you manage ah. expenses, but you drive revenue. So write that down, Okay. You know, i talk to a lot of business school classes, the people that are getting their MBAs, and you know, unless you have a passion for this business and really understand the intricacies of the business, I don't think somebody could walk out of any business school and drive revenue. Now, the best example that I can give in this industry in the last 10 years, and I worked for that company for 11 years, is Bell Resorts and the Epic Pass. So what does the Epic Pass really do? It drives revenue. And when you read the Resort's financial results, it's all about the revenue that the Epic Pass drives. It drives volume. It drives revenue. It drives certainty in an off-snow year with, in essence, revenue as an insurance policy. But when they have the visitation, then they drive revenue through ski school and through food and beverage and through summer activities and all the other pieces. So to me, that's like the biggest example of an organization driving revenue. You know, and I put that out to you guys to think about, Uh, you know, maybe that's too lofty because they literally drive hundreds and hundreds and hundreds (laughs) of millions of dollars of revenue. And you're sitting there going, well, that's not my ski area. Okay, well, then divide by ten thousand and. Figure out
3: your plan. There are ideas out there in the marketplace that we haven't tapped yet to drive revenue, and it's not going to come probably from the marketing people because probably most of your marketing people, in my case, half of them just learned how to ski. It's going to it's, it's going to come from the person who has the passion for the sport and to um, to, to realize and, and have listened to the customers of what they want. And come up with something new to go ahead and make more people come out. Because once you you have come up with something new, and I'll miss none that. But we came up with this uh, family and friends package, which is basically a beginner package this year. And it doesn't matter whether you're skiing or boarding; you get to stay together with your family and friends up to eight. And because. That's what they want to do. (laughs) If you listen to your customer, that's what they want to do. And I'm not sure whether it's going to be successful yet, except, you know, I I, I do know that almost everybody that I have talked to this year in terms of guests have just thought this was the best. And that's different than the way we've been driving, learning, learning um, in the sport for, for years, Ever, ever since I've been involved in the sport, fifty years, you know, you get you get to know a class. There are ideas that we have to try within the sport of skiing that need to get dreamed up of how to get the the population today to go ahead and embrace the the sport. And I think um, it's it's not going to necessarily come from marketing. It, it, it's going to come from from the people that are out there teaching the lessons or people that are out there, you know, putting the people on the chair list and having a conversation to find out what they're, what will what, drive the next thing.
0: You know, if one of the mentees went to their general manager and said, I have an idea for a new business and they said, write up a business plan, they don't believe in you, okay? <laughs> and if somebody walked into my office, that's the last thing I would ever say is write up a business plan because that's just a stall of getting you out of my office.
3: And I really don't want to think about this. <laughs> oh, Bill, no. you're, you're
0: so honest. <laughs> okay. But it's the truth. I'm just, you know, I'm, okay, I'm telling it you the truth. truth. And if somebody walks into my office and says, you know, like my food and beverage manager. So we want to put a noodles machine in one of the restaurants <laughs> because noodles are hot. How much does it cost? $15,000. Okay, I didn't go, what's the ROI? What's the, you know, what's this? Yeah. I believe in that manager. I believe in the manager that's running the restaurant. You know and the guy hits a home run you know, I expect the people I'm asking the questions of to be able to answer them because uh, if I ask a lot of questions and they go I don't know I don't know I don't know then I go I know that I don't have the right person you know
3: what I suggest to everybody on the call is uh, you, you basically ask questions you ask you you, you, you try to get the information about uh, your particular your uh, particular department and and how it works. And 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 why they've made the decisions they've made, whether it's related to revenue or whether it's related to cost, you, it, it's easy. You ask, well, is there any discussions of how we could grow the revenue? And if you start becoming co- part of those conversations, you'll get to learn a little bit about how how the upper management thinks. As you know, well, we didn't grow this revenue because we need to spend a million dollars to go ahead and you know. We redo the lift over here. So, you know, you'll, you'll at least get some perspective. But then you have, to, you have to argue for why your particular area needs the investment to grow the revenue. Everybody thinks we're competing against each other's uh, ski areas. But what we're really doing is competing for recreational dollars. I truly believe that. And it's even more uh, evident in the last three or four years. Granted, we're in a good economy now, so we're all going to be good. But when the economy is not so so, so good, it's going to be a little bit tougher for us to compete with those. Paul, do we uh, have some more mentee questions?
2: We do, yeah. Actually, thanks, Olivia. I was just going to read one here that came in a little bit earlier. This is from Joe Forte. Thank you, Joe. With all the hustle and bustle of the green and white seasons, it's hard to know when
0: to plan for the next season. How far ahead of time should you be planning for next season's budget? I think in an organization, depending on the cycles of your business, you have to plan when your, your staff literally has the time to do thoughtful work. Um, you know, if the budget is just something you got to check off the list, you know, I probably could, I probably could do a budget for any department in 15 minutes. It's not going to be thoughtful. Um, cause you know, you can just look at the history and go, well, I'll just stick a number in here. But what I, I really like is people thinking about, um, It doesn't matter where you are in operations. So, you know, what is my labor? What is the cycle of business? You know, what are my peak days? You know, was I overstaffed during this period, understaffed during that period? Um, You know, what's the price of fuel? What's the price of electricity if I'm a snowmaker? What's this? You know, what's changing in our strategy? And you've got to do that in a time when people are not um, heavily engaged in the operating side of the business. So, um, you know, I've, I've worked in different companies. Um, the budgeting process, you know, the one thing I can speak to w- with, with certainty is it always takes longer than the organization thinks it's going to take. Um, and there's always some laggards that aren't aren't they? They procrastinate <laughs> and they put it off to the last minute. And you know, and the finance guys are going nuts because they're trying to roll up the budget so they can show it to myself or Barb or somebody else. But I just think in an organization it's really important to set aside some time and, you know, whether it's a week or it's two weeks or, you know, sometimes it's a month that people really need to focus, you know, on their budget. And, you know, I would add that if, you know, you're a young manager, you know, as you go through a year, you know, just, you know, keep one of those little pocket, you know, those little books that everybody likes to carry around and just make notes, you know, about, you know, next year I need to we need to address this, or we need to fix this. You know, for next time, there's a better way of doing it. But I'd also say in our business, you know, and and Barb talked a little bit about, you know, comparing yourself to others. Um, you know, I mean, my view is, you know, every every ski area is a little bit different. Um, you know, I look at those those statistics that come out in the economic study as, you know, kind of parameters of where the industry is but you know but ultimately you know I what I look for in my managers when they're doing the budget is what number one is they have to be fully engaged in their business I have to have confidence that whatever plan they come up with they can execute with certainty
1: Since you have successfully arrived at the conclusion of episode 3, then you my friend are a perfect candidate for my next request. Please rate and review Pod Sam on the podcast platform of your choice, but mostly iTunes. It helps other mountain-minded folks find the show. Also consider grabbing a coworker's phone and subscribing them. Episode 4 will feature Jody Church of Powder Corp and Chris Blomback of Pat's Peak on the topic of capital planning and project management. For more information about Sam's Summit series, visit saminfo.com or dig into a recent print edition of the magazine. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks again to Mountain Guard and Access RFID Ticketing for their support of Pod Sam. Episode 4 will be out in late June. Until then, I'm Alex Kaufman, and thanks for listening to Pod Sam. But wait, there is more. Stick around for the outtakes.
0: But, you know, I've worked with people that go, well, I want to give the highest service and I want to do all these things and you know, we're gonna have hot chocolate chip cookies and we're gonna serve wine at a rental shop and my business model is to have the lowest price in the industry. Well, they're not gonna make as much money, you, know? <laughs> you know. And whether people have a choice or not, you know, or people, you know. I mean, if if, if you've got three rental shops right next door to you at your security that somehow you lost control of your real estate and they're competing against you, well that's a different that's a different situation
3: i'll I'll just add one one thing to 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 bill's comment there you know the the one thing that i really hate hate to hear is we can't do that <laughs> and you know there's there's always you know there's always a way there's always a um uh and and it's specifically with revenue um you know, you, you tend to you tend to with new lines of revenue. You know, we haven't done it before. We're not sure we can. And almost every time, the operations folks, because they're so good at what they do, deliver. They're, 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 they're the pessimist to the op- optimist. <laughs> so
0: right, so. right, and a real drag on on <laughs> uh, momentum. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. My corollary to Barb's comment is we can't do that. Is it's not in my budget. <laughs> right.
3: oh i hate that one that was the worst that is like oh I, um, yeah, that, all of you, all of
0: worst. you listening on the phone make a note never <laughs> ever ever tell your boss that it's not in your budget <laughs> tell him tell him
3: you need to have it in your budget because and then you say <laughs> right. make the
2: case absolutely thank you
3: thank you bye-bye cheers bye, bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.